There are uh, 15 top 10 facts about Chuck Norris. Cats can't take a hint. Get out of here. I'm trying to record this podcast, and I got a cat, my cat, coming in and annoying me. And so I'm, like, saying go, and I'm putting him, throwing him, like, not whipping him, but, like, tossing him away. And he still keeps coming back. Oh, there he is, brushing up right against it. Get, get away. Meh. Eh. Now he's hitting me. Mm. You would hit me too, probably. But anyway, <clears throat> hello everyone. You just tuned into your favorite podcast, Phenomena Nations. I'm your host, Max Prechette. And today is the part two. Well, not really part two, just the second installment of the Scary Stories episode that I did on a couple days ago, I guess. About a week ago. And, um,. So I'm releasing it a day before Halloween, so I can get you spooked up before the big day. So, anyway, so, today, today, I have the most scariest, most weird, messed up stories that I could find, just for you guys, because, you know, best stories ever. You guys will love them. I don't want to delay anything more, so, enjoy and one more thing to add before I start reading scary stories. Again, this isn't, I'm not trying to be funny. If you are easily scared or if you have children listening with you, turn it off and don't listen. I'm serious. But if you're ready to get scared, I go right ahead, listen. But if you're, if you are going to actually get scared, don't listen, please. Oh, and also just keep the kids away from this, please. Unless, you know. They're not easily scared. Anyway, thank you. Enjoy. She found her way into my home. Please, I I don't know what to do. I tried to tell my wife about this, but she's a science teacher, and thanks to my history of practical drugs, she thinks I'm just kidding. There is something stalking me. It's not... I don't know what it what it wants, but almost every night I, since I started seeing it, it has terrorized me. It doesn't touch me, it doesn't communicate in any sort of way, it just fills me with horror. If, if what I see, if what I seem to ramble, please forgive me, me. I haven't slept in several days. Several. We live in the second in the second floor of a duplex with stairs down the back of the house to the basement where the laundry machines are. There's a door at the bottom of the stairs b- before the door to the basement that looks out onto our back porch and into the backyard. Six days ago, I was going down to the basement to bring up some laundry when I glanced out the door as I passed. There was a figure standing at the far edge of our yard. Her back was to me, and she was just standing there, looking into the woods far beyond our yard. She was dressed in nothing but a light gown. It had tons of, lots of flowing material coming off of it that was whipping around in the air slowly. The whole scene creeped me out instantly, but I thought she might be a friend of our downstairs neighbor, so I continued to the basement. When I came back up, she wasn't there. 
The next night I went down again, and as I passed the back door, I looked outside. The woman was back. She was exactly like she was the night before, facing away, not moving. The hairs on my arms and neck stood up straight when I saw her. I was even more creeped out when I realized she was in the same clothes as the night before. That's when I did something I shouldn't have. I opened the back door. Leaning out, I called to her to see if she was okay. She didn't respond. She didn't make any sort of indication that she'd heard me. It was freezing cold, so I shut the door and locked it. Coming back upstairs afterward, I looked out the window and she was gone again. Later that same night, I was in our bedroom getting ready to go to sleep. Everything was dark because my wife had gone to bed before me. Go to bed at the same time, otherwise stuff, stuff gets messed up. Dingus. Our bedroom looks over the backyard, and my side of the bed faces the windows, so I have to go past them to get in. As I was doing so, I suddenly got the same deep dread feeling in my stomach that I would gotten the first time I saw the figure in our backyard. Something compelled me to hesitate. Something compelled me to hesitate by the windows. My hands were shaking. shaking and as I pulled the curtain back a bit and peeked through the shades into the backyard it was a clear night clear night so the backyard wasn't shrouded in darkness the woman was standing in the middle of the backyard backyard no longer at the edge of the woods facing the house with her head tilted up to look directly at the window I was peeking from. I jerked away instantly, afraid she had seen me. Her face was covered in a shadow of hair, but I saw her chin and nose, a sharp nose and a thin chin, gray. Her skin looked gray, I think. Her, her hair is black and long. I, I was so scared. I jumped, I jumped into the bed and covered myself with the covers. The next day, I played outside in the snow with my with my four-year-old daughter. She wanted me to pull, pull, pull her, pull her on her sled in the backyard, but just the thought of going back out there made me so scared again. So I talked her into digging holes in the snow in the front yard. That night things went from bad to worse. Somehow I managed to forget about the woman. Then in the middle of the night my daughter started crying. Our bedroom is just across the hallway from hers. I, I thought she she might need to use the bathroom or just be having a bad dream. So I went into to, to her room to see, see if she was okay. She was uncovered, curled into a ball in her mattress. I pulled the covers over her, and, and that's when she whispered to me, Daddy, there's something in my closet. Instant goosebumps. Instant. Just add water. I turned my head slowly toward the closet door at the end of the bed. Normally the closet is shut, but now it was open. The woman was standing in, in my daughter's closet. Not even when it was clear that I saw her did she move or make a sound. She just stood there staring at me through the cracked open door. My, my blood ran cold when I saw her. Get up, I told my daughter. Get in my arms quickly, quickly! Gosh. She scrambled up and I hug and hugged me tightly and I walked backward out of the room, watching the closet the entire time. In my mind, I imagined her throwing the closet door open and running at us, arms outstretched. I just hugged my daughter and, and walked back 
backward into my room. The wind never appeared in the doorway. I heard no movement from my daughter's room. I tucked her into my bed and stood there watching the doorway to her bedroom. I did not go back in. I just stood there and watched and listened. When I finally got the courage to climb into bed, I didn't sleep. Sunday, I told my wife everything. I told her about the first time I saw this woman. I told her about the calling out to her and seeing from her from the window. I told her that she had appeared in our daughter's closet. She told me it wasn't funny, that, that it was my fault our daughter's bad dreams, and that I, I should encourage her to be not, I shouldn't encourage her to be afraid of her closet. Sunday night, my daughter called, called, called me into her room again. Call me a coward, but I but I couldn't go into that room. I called her quietly to come to her bed, but she cried and said she was scared. I wanted to go and get her, but I was so scared. I told her to pull the blankets up and cover herself. Just cover yourself, honey. You'll be okay. I prayed that it was true. I lay there peeking over the sleeping form of my wife and out into the hallway at, at, at the closed door of my daughter's room and just kept praying. I heard her cry a while longer, and then she went quiet, and I hoped she was asleep. Monday, I piled toys in front of the door to her closet. By that time, there was no doubt in my mind that this was some sort of ghost or apparition, but I piled things in front of the closet anyway, like a pile of toys could stop a ghost. Monday night, my daughter did not cry, but I didn't sleep. I lay there, looking at the ceiling, tense, around 2 a.m., I heard the bedroom door creak open and I knew something was wrong. She must be scared, I thought. Oh, just cracked my neck. So I called her like before. J just come to me and you can sleep in our bed, sweetie. But she didn't come. I peeked over I peeked over my my wife. She the woman was standing there in the doorway to my daughter's room. Her arms hung at her sides, her shoulders slouchy down. Her gown was dirty, like it had been like it hadn't been washed in years. And it hung off, hung off her like torn rags. I wasn't breathing. I wasn't blinking. I just looked at her, and she looked at me, and I thought, "This is it. I'm going to die." She never moved. She never made a sound. I whispered, "Please go away. Please leave me alone. Please, I'm sorry." I couldn't look away. If I look away, she'll get closer. I was sure of it. If I close my eyes when I when I open them. She'll be standing there, looking at me. At the same point, she was gone. It's like I fell asleep with my eyes open. I don't remember her disappearing, just that I was looking at the doorway and then she wasn't there anymore. Last night, I lay, lay awake, waiting. I asked my wife to shut, shut our bedroom door because cause the night light in the hallway was keeping me awake. It was stupid, I know. I don't know what I was thinking. Like clockwork, I heard my daughter's bedroom door creak open. I held my breath. Then I heard the floorboards in the hallway creaking, and I st started shaking uncontrollably. I heard our bedroom door open, and I knew she was standing there in the doorway, not moving, just looking at me. I didn't look. I, co I couldn't. I did what I did. What my daughter, I, what I told my daughter to do, and pulled the covers over my head. I'm a complete mess, a zombie at work. I don't, I don't want to go go home anymore. I just think I'll see the woman in a, in other places. A glance while driving, and I think she's sitting in the passenger seat or the truck behind me, or standing down down the street at 
as I drove off, drive off. Just sitting here at my desk, someone passes by me and I and I jump. I'm afraid that if I turn around, she'll be there, waiting for for me to look at her. And what if I saw her face? I didn't want to see it. I I don't know. I don't want to see her anymore, but I don't know what to do. The only hope I feel is that, for unrelated reasons, my wife is talking about moving, but our lease isn't up till May. I don't know if I can hold out that long. Look at me. One evening, when I was in my junior year of high school, my mom and dad went out, leaving me home alone. I had a lot of homework to do, so I uh, spent the whole evening sitting at my desk in my bedroom. My parents left the house at about 6pm. While I was doing my homework, I put on my headphones and listened to loud music. There was a big storm, storm that night, and my desk was facing the window, so I could see the rain and lightning outside. My parents got back at about 11. When I saw their car drive up, I took off the headphones. As soon as my mom opened the front door and came inside, I heard her shout my name. What on earth happened in here? She demanded in an angry voice. Confused, I ran downstairs. My mom was standing in the hallway with a furious look on her face. She pointed at the floor and yelled, Was this you? Like a yelling at a dog. I looked, I looked down and saw that the carpet was covered in muddy footprints. I, I have no idea how those got there, I said. I spent the whole night at my desk doing my homework. I watched as the look on her face changed from anger to confusion and then to fear. We had both realized that at the same time, someone else must have been in the house. We followed the trail of footprints, trying to make sense of the whole situation. Oh... My cat just walked by and scared me. Not even kidding, I jumped. Oh. They start. We we followed the trail of footprints, trying to make sense of the whole situation. They started at the back door, which we usually left unlocked. Then we noticed something else. The footprints started at the back door, but there were no trail of footprints leaving through the back door. All of a sudden, we hear something. Loud, a loud pounding noise that echoed throughout the house. Then the sound of, of the front door being wrenched open and slammed shut again. Wham! We ran into the garage and locked the, all the doors behind us. My mom took out her cell phone and called the police. Please come quickly, she, she shouted. Someone's in our house! After what seemed like hours, a patrol car arrived with two police officers, a male and a female. One officer stayed with us in the garage while his, while his partner went through the house, searching it room by room. When she came back, the, the female officer told us that there was no one in the house and that it was safe to go back in. As we were all breathing a sigh of relief, she asked, Whose bedroom is upstairs on the left? My, par my parents looked at me. It's mine, I told the officer. She asked us to follow her. As we walked through the house, we could see the trail of muddy footprints leading from the back door, through the living room, through the hallway, up the stairs, in, into my parents' bedroom, and then towards my room. They stopped in my doorway. The female officer pointed at my door, which had been open the whole night. Scrawled on it in black marker was the following, 847, 
I see you. 8, 8.56, you forgot to lock the back door. 8.59, you seem focused. 8.24, turn around. 8.47, look at me. 10.15, look at me. 10.37, look at me. 10.49, look at me. For two more, for more than two hours, someone had been standing in my doorway watching me. To this day, I still shudder to think what might have happened if I turned around. <sighs> Who doesn't go pee for five hours? Thomas and the Children Ever hear of Thomas the Tank Engine? If you've been around little kids between the ages of two and around seven or so, I'm sure you have. My son adored Thomas so much that he could name every single train, knew what color they were, and the number they had painted on them. I was glad when I heard that the, he was coming over to visit me for the summer, but I had a ton of work to do, so I bought so I bought him a Thomas DVD. The cover looked innocent enough. What was also interesting was that Thomas was smiling and the little children were waving their arms out the windows in his coaches. The DVD was called Thomas and the Children. That's the title of our scary story. He was so excited to see the DVD that right off the bat he pleaded me to pop it in the DVD player. I went to work while he watched it. After a few hours he came into my office looking as pale as a sheet. His voice seemed very weak. Are you okay? I, I said. I touched his head and noticed that his temperature had gone up. Why did Thomas kill all those children? My heart sank like a stone, but I soon brushed it off. I'm sure Thomas didn't kill the children, I reassured him. No, you need your rest and some medicine, I gently pushed, I gently pushed him towards the door. Come on now. After putting him to bed, I got curious to see what, what he had seen. I popped the DVD and began to watch the episode play. It seemed normal enough. The episode had began as Thomas was told to take a group of children to the seaside by the instructions of Sir Topham, Topham? Hat. Whatever. I don't know. It's been a while. I noticed something was wrong. There was no narrator in this episode. The episode then showed Thomas picking up the little wooden children and showed every single one of them climb on board. There was a scene of him zooming down the rails as he always did, and the kids were cheering. But up ahead, Birdie the bus was stuck on the, on, the, on the level crossing, moaning for someone to help him. This is when the episode got strange. Birdie stared at Thomas in fear, but Thomas just smiled and sped up. He laughed as, and the kids were crying with tears coming down their little wooden faces. Immediately, Thomas crashed into Birdie, and pieces of both of them flew everywhere. Usually by now, the narrator would say, and luckily, no one was hurt. But there was no reassurance of the kids. The episode showed what happened inside the coaches. Wooden limbs were broken off. What looked like actual blood was had been splattered everywhere. There were brief shots of, heads, of their heads ripped off and tears painted down upon their faces. Everything went to static. After... After that, I felt myself boiling over with anger. What sicko would create something that messed up, messed up for little kids? That messed up for little kids. 
Then I paused the static. Messages started to appear on the screen like kill, obey, multiply, and die. I watched the static and more images and more different messages flashed on the screen and on the button one of them said R.I.P. Thomas. I threw the accursed thing in the trash after breaking it in half. I would not expose my child to any more of that trash. Before I before going to bed I checked on him. He was happily asleep and snoring, clutching his teddy. I had nightmares from this. One where the children came into my room, but they were lifelike and as tall as a normal person. They twisted forms, grabbed my limbs, and pulled me apart while I heard their, that blasted train laughing. Now I've woken up, covered in blood, knife in my hand, and I'm afraid to check my son's room. I'm warning you, if you find a CD or DVD that had the episode, don't watch it, just smash it. I'm sick of this DVD and Thomas Thomas's horrifying behavior in it. This DVD needs to be banned. He's pure evil. All you can eat. When I was a child, my father always used to say, if you kill something, you eat it. I suppose that sounds reasonable, reasonable enough, but my dad always took things a little bit too far. I remember the first time it happened. I was only three years old. I was stomping on ants. Scrape them up and eat them, son, he growled. I wouldn't do it. I cried and tried to run away, but he grabbed me and shoved the ants into my mouth one by one. Afterwards, I threw up. One day, when I was four, my father caught me pulling off wings, flies off wings, wings off flies. You can eat them now or eat them later, he said. I started crying. He picked up a fly and made me open my mouth. Then he dropped it in and forced me to swallow it. For weeks afterwards, I thought I could feel a buzzing in my stomach. Man, if you're a kid pulling off wings uh, uh, from flies, I think you're going to be a serial killer when you grow up. When I was six years old, I made a bow and arrow out of a stick and a piece of string. I was running around the backyard shooting arrows into, into the bushes and a bird flew by. I accidentally hit it and it fell to the ground. My, my, my father was watching at the window. Bring it inside, he yelled. That's skill, man. I wish I could do that. Man, if I could kill a bird, I'd eat it. Like, well... I can, but like, if I could make a homemade bow and arrow, and then shoot it with homemade bow and arrow, that'd be cool. My dad made me watch as he plucked off all the feathers, cleaned the bird, gutted it, and then he tossed it into a pot of boiling water. When it was cooked, he put it on the plate and set it down in front of me. It looked like a tiny little chicken. Now eat it, he ordered. Tears rolled down my cheeks. My father stood over me and made me, made sure I ate the whole thing. My dad wasn't all that bad. He bought me a puppy for my 8th birthday. A few months later, he decided to teach me how to drive a car. You know, as you do. As we were backing out of the driveway, I heard a crunch on and hit the brakes. We got out. We got out of the car and when I saw my beloved pet dog squashed under one of the rear wheels, I fell to my knees and burst into tears. I would too. Okay, first of all, um, you shouldn't be teaching your kids how to drive a car at eight, you know, like, I, I'd say about ten, nine or ten, that's when I kind of learned, 
Eight is, I think, is too young. You know the rules, my dad said. I started shaking my head and crying, no, 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 please, no. My dad picked up the dead dog, but I took off running into the fields. I spent the next two days and nights sleeping rough in the woods. I was cold and hungry, but I didn't want to go home. On the third night, I waited until it was late and the lights were out. And then I climbed, climbed in the kitchen window as quietly as I could and looked in the fridge. Getting scared. All of a sudden, my fa my father's voice, my father's voice coming from the darkness. Your dinner's on the table, he said. He flicked on the lights and nodded a big platter on the table. There lay my pet dog, roasted to a crisp with an apple in its jaws. I tried to run, but he grabbed me up by the scruff of the neck and pushed me down into a chair. I couldn't stop screaming and crying, but he didn't care. Picking up a knife and a fork, my father carved pieces off the dog and put them on my plate. He made me eat until I felt like my stomach was about to burst. Something inside me snapped that it, something inside me snapped that night. I couldn't take it anymore. Then and there, I began plotting ro running away. Early one morning, just before dawn, I got dressed and packed packed a bag. Then I quietly opened my bedroom door and tiptoed into the hallway. Standing there at the top of the stairs was my father. He had been waiting for me. Going somewhere, he chuckled. I tried to run past him, but he stepped in my way. I accidentally slammed into him and he lost his balance. Everything seemed to ha happen in slow motion. I watched my father fall backwards and I reached out to grab him, but I missed. He tumbled down the stairs, hitting every step on the way down, and landed on the bottom with a dull thud. I ran down the stairs to try and help him, but it was useless. His neck was twisted at an odd angle, and his dead eyes just stared up at me. I started crying uncontrollably. I was, I was still crying as I switched on the oven and went out to the shed to fetch an axe. Intruder alert! Intruder alert. It was the middle of the night when I was in my in the bedroom, trying to relax. I changed the channel on the TV and saw that the local no, news was on. At the bottom of the screen, there was a breaking news alert. Murder on the loose, hiding in the vicinity, police warning everyone to be alert, suspect is armed and dangerous. I was drifting out to sleep when I, uh, I was drifting out to sleep when I awake when I was awakened by a strange noise downstairs. Stairs. It sounded like someone was in the house. At that moment, my heart began beating fast, and I broke into a cold sweat. Straining my ears to listen, I thought I heard another noise. It was the sound of a door creaking. It wasn't my imagination. There was an intruder in the house. I have to get out of here fast, I thought. I slipped off the bed as quietly as, as possible and crept towards my window. To the window. My body was shaking with fear and I was hoping I didn't make any noise. Just then I heard faint footsteps making their way up the stairs. It sounded more just sounded like more than one person. At any second they would burst through the door. I had to get away. I climbed out the window and onto the garage roof, moving as fast as I could without making too much noise. At the edge of the roof I grabbed a drain pipe and lowered myself down until I dropped into the garden. As I paused, I looked at the window. I just escaped and saw the lights go on. That was close, I thought. A chill ran down my spine as I thought, what would happen if, if they caught me? 
I made my way to the bottom of the garden and into the woods. Once I was safely hidden behind trees, I broke out into a run. I pushed onward, stumbling through the darkness, moving through the undergrowth until I came to another housing estate. Clutching my knife, I headed towards the other house. A, a 16 year old girl was babysitting for two young boys. The parents weren't due to come home, home until very late, so she let them stay up and watch some TV. One of the boys was flipping channels when he came to an emergency news bulletin. The reporter said that a crazed murderer was escaped from a nearby insane asylum and was on the run from local authorities. He, belie he was believed to be in the area and was armed with a hatchet. The police cautioned residents to lock their doors and windows because the man was extremely dangerous. The young boys began to panic and the babysitter didn't want them to get upset, so she put them to bed early. As she tucked them in, they as she tucked them in, they kept asking her if she had locked all the doors and windows. She assured them that she had that she she would would lock everything when she went back downstairs and resumed watching television. Sometime later, one of the boys was awoken by a loud crash. He wasn't sure if it was his imagination, so he sat up in bed and listened intently. For a while, he began to hear weird sounds coming from downstairs. Drag, thump thump, drag, thump thump. He wondered if he, if he was just letting his imagination run away with him. Maybe it was just the sound of the babysitter watching television downstairs. Thump thump, drag, thump thump. Drag, thump thump, drag. The boy heard the sound again and woke his brother. Together, they listened at the bed, at the door to the bedroom. Thump thump, drag, thump thump, drag, thump thump, drag. The boys began to shake with fear. Terrified, they pushed their beds up against the door and barricaded themselves inside their bedroom. Thump thump, drag, thump thump, drag, thump thump, drag. The sounds eventually stopped, but the boys were too afraid to leave the safety of their bedroom. For hours, they cowered in the bedroom, with their beds jammed securely against the door. Later that night, when the boys' parents returned, they were shocked to find a gruesome scene. There was a trail of blood leading from the hallway all the way up the stairs. In a panic, the mother screamed out their son's names. When the two boys heard their mother calling, they pulled back their beds and opened their bedroom door. Lying at the top of the stairs in a pool of her own blood was the babysitter. Her arms had been cut off at the elbows and her legs had been cut off at the knees. She had used her own bloody stumps to drag herself up the stairs trying to warn them. Now that's one dedicated babysitter. You guys don't know how lucky you are having me freaking like do this for you. Now, this is scary, guys. You guys better appreciate this. Expressionless. In June of 1972, a, a woman appeared in Cedar Sinai Hospital in nothing but a white gown covered in blood. Now, this in itself, in itself should not be too surprising, as people often have accidents nearby and come to the hospital for medical attention. There was some, but there were two things that caused people who saw her to vomit and flee in terror. The first, 
being that she wasn't exactly human, she resembled something close to a mannequin, but she had the dexterity and fluidity of a normal human being. Her face was as flawless as a mannequin's, devoid of eyebrows and smeared in makeup. She had a kitten clenched between her teeth, her jaws clamped so unnaturally tight around it to the point where no teeth could have been seen. The blood was still squirting out all over her gown and onto the floor. She then pulled it out of her mouth, tossed it aside, and collapsed. From the moment she stepped through the entrance to the and was taken to the hospital room and cleaned up before prepped for sedation, she was completely calm, expressionless, and motionless. The doctors had thought it was best to restrain her until the authorities could arrive, and she did not protest. They were unable to get any kind of response from her, and most staff members felt too uncomfortable to look directly at her for more than a few seconds. But the second the staff tried to sedate her, she fought back with extreme force. Two members of staff holding her down as her body rose up on, on, on the bed with that same blank expression. She turned her emotionless eyes toward the male doctor and did, and did see something unusual. She smiled. As she did, the female doctor screamed and let go out of shock. In the woman's mouth, there was no human teeth but long, sharp spikes too long for her mouth to close fully without causing damage. The male doctor stared stared back at her for a moment without a, before asking, When the hell are you? She, cr she cracked her neck down... Uh, she cracked her neck down to her shoulder to observe him, still smiling. There was a long pause. The security had been alerted and and could be heard coming down the hallway. As she as he heard them, she darted forward, sinking her teeth in the front of his throat. Cat again. Ripping out his jugular and letting him fall to the floor, gasping for air as he choked out on his own blood. She stood she stood up and leaned over him, her her face coming dangerously close to his as the life faded from his eyes. The doc the doctor's eyes filled with fear as he watched her calmly walk away to greet the security man. His last sight ever would be watching watching her feast on them one by one. The, fe the female doctor who survived the incident named her the Expressionless. There was never a sighting of her again. Final story of the evening, Cursed Doll. There was a little girl who really loved dolls. She had a big collection of them in her home. One day, while she was browsing through the shop, uh, through a shop of her on her own, she spotted a really beautiful doll that would make a perfect addition to her collection. She only hoped that she had enough money to buy it. How much money is that doll, ma'am? She asked the old woman behind the counter. The doll is now for sale replied the old woman. But it's so beautiful, said the girl. I really want it. The old woman became irritated. I told you, it's not for sale, she said. Why not? Because the doll is cursed. Well, that's okay. I don't mind. I, 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 I'm not going to sell it to you. But if you really must have it, go, go ahead and take it. It's yours. If something bad happens, don't blame me. Oh, yes, thank you, said the girl, smiling as she grabbed the doll and walked out of the shop. The little girl was so delighted to get the doll for free, and she ran all the way home, carrying it in her arms. When she got home to her apartment building, 
she went into the lobby. It was deserted. She stood there waiting for the for the elevator to arrive. The doors opened and she stepped inside, clutching her new doll. The doors closed, but the elevator didn't move. The little girl got scared and began trembling with fear. Oh my god, she thought to herself. Is this the curse of her doll? Suddenly, she felt the doll move in her arms. Ever so slowly, it, its head turned to face her. The little girl wanted to scream, but she couldn't make a sound. The doll's eyelids fluttered and opened. It stared at her with its life with its lifeless glass eyes. Then its mouth opened and said, Push the button to go up, bitch! Now don't come complaining to my email that you can't sleep tonight. I picked only the most disturbing stories for this one, so... Except for the last one, that one, that one was meant to be funny. But anyway, e even I, I had trouble reading those, so... You know, quit complaining, and um, I gave you fair warning. Most disturbing stories. Anyway, um, thank you for listening to this podcast. I I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to get me up to uh, 4,000 plays, 4,500 plays, 5,000 plays, and keep getting me up to 10,000, and then I'll have rewards for every 500 plays. So, um, I don't think that that's... I think that's everything. Check out the SCP archives. How about that? A by um, Mr. Deal, and I think that's it. So anyway, enjoy. Oh, thank you for listening.